I am discovering me. Discovering me. My identity was hidden, taken from me, long before my ancestors began hanging from trees. The serpent, he was the real thief, deceiving my sister Eve. He made me forget I was royalty. My father is a king. I am the daughter of the everlasting, loving, omniscient three. He came to give me life. This world wants to take it away. He never intended for it to be this way. Free will, a blessing, and a curse. Say my name. My life matters. God said it first. Discovering me. Redefining my identity. Made fearfully and wonderfully, flaws and all, my destiny was altered when I heard his call. I can't see where I'm going, but I know what I'm leaving behind. My faith is blind, lamps at my feet as I shoulder his load. I feel light, I see life as I walk the Samaritan road. This is Nori, your host of the Discovering Me podcast, and I am super excited today to have my friend Octavia Oliver, who I also consider as a mentor. So I'll go ahead and let Octavia introduce herself. Hi, I'm first. I am so excited to be a part of this um, podcast because like I've been watching you grow and um, learning so much about you and, and having you put yourself out there. It's just so, so awesome. It inspires me, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to come on this thing in the first place. Oh, I love you. <laughs> um, but um, I am, um, I just celebrated my 57th trip around the sun. I am um, a math teacher. I'm married. I have two grown children. And I, um, Gosh, what can I say about myself? Uh, I grew up in New Jersey. I was born in Boston, but I'm a Jersey girl. <laughs> I lived in Manhattan, um, Florida. I've, I actually lived so many places between college and where I am now that my mom had to write my address in pencil. Um, <laughs> I've been on every continent on the planet with the exception of Australia and the Bulls. And um I've, I've experienced a lot in life and I am my biggest, I think my biggest thing was um, having a relationship with God in 1992. So this coming year will be 30 years that wow. I've had a relationship that with God. So cool. I'm so excited. Like I haven't done anything in my life. Like I got a two-page <laughs> resume. This is the only thing that I've done for the longest amount of time consistently. <laughs> You know, good and bad. It's like, it doesn't say a lot of good things about me, but Actually, I, think I think that says a lot of good about you. <laughs> I stuck in there all this time. Um, so I, I guess that's, uh, unless I'm, unless I'm leaving anything out that you can think of that uh, I should mention, but that's kind of who I am. I love, I love, love, love what I do. Um, I'm really, really blessed in being able to go to work every day and do what I love and get paid for it. So yeah, awesome. I love that. And I love you. Um, I love so I'm really excited because Octavia is going to share her story about how she has been discovering herself and learning what that means and embracing who she is and just her different um, things that she's been learning about herself with her relationship with God and just in general. So Octavia, if there was 
a way for you to kind of give a premise for where your journey started, where would you say that was? I think um, when I was young, um, I knew I was kind of different from my family, um, from both sides of my family, actually. Um, it's, it's hard to describe because it's, it's easier to look back on that time and think about it than the confusion that I faced growing up in that time. Right. Um, that um, I never really fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have a, a definition. I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood. Um, I was the only black kid in a lot of my classes. Um, my experience, I experienced people from all different backgrounds whenever, well, I mean, because I traveled the world from the time right. I was six years old. Um, so I didn't really understand about where my place was in the world, hmm. um, how I fit in. It's like, I'm sort of that universal peg that fits in every sort of slot, but doesn't mm -hmm. really snugly fit in any mm -hmm. one particular slot. And, um, you know, when you're growing up and in school, there's cliques, there's, there's groups of kids yeah. and I could relate to all of them. And at the same time, not relate to any of them, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. sense. That being said, um, not knowing where, where my place was in the world, I was just sort of floating, I guess. Um, and then <laughs> when I was in, like, I was blessed to go to this amazing elementary school, shout out to Farbrook School, um, <laughs> where nobody was sort of singled out or like, I didn't feel like I was different. I, that actually is probably where I felt the most like I belonged. Yeah. Um, then I stayed back in third grade and my whole world shattered because I didn't know that that was a thing. And you know how when things happen and you don't have control over them when you're little, yeah. that, um, that, that just changed my world. Um, so then even in the place where I had been accepted and loved, I felt the rejection and the mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, all my kids, all my classmates actually from first to third grade, you were in one set of buildings and then you got to move in the fourth grade to the right. other building. And so all of my classmates moved to the other building. And I was mm -hmm. still left in the other building. So like that's, that was like my first sort of traumatic experience. And then. Um, after that, I went to public school and um, I was the only chocolate chip in the cookie there. Mm. And um, there were only 10 kids. Like after we graduated, they closed our elementary school because it was, there was, the population was dwindling so much. So there were 10 people in my sixth grade class and they all had bar mitzvahs and I didn't. Mm. Um, but I remember walking outside the classroom one day and this boy who was in my class was sticking his rear end out of a chair mm. and um he's like who am I who am I to the kids who were in the room now I'm still outside the room and I'm right. looking at him and I'm like who are you like who does that and then they all said Octavia and they started giggling Aww. and I thought do I look like that to other people like it hadn't I I like what is that I didn't even right. know what that was so then I got to middle school or junior high school back then. And um, then the black kids <laughs> started saying stuff to me, like they called me an Oreo and I didn't know what that, I'm like, why are you calling me a cookie? I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, and then they had to explain it to me, which I'm sure took a lot of the venom out of their insults. Right. But I was like, now I'm really 
I'm I'm really sort of wondering. I'm I'm so confused. Like right. what is this that's happening? And so um that was when I realized that there were labels mm. that people put labels on people. Right. And so before I even knew what a label was, I was being labeled. So I didn't have the opportunity, I guess, or the privilege of being able to define who I was before people started defining me. Gotcha. And I spent the next, I don't know, 30 years probably trying to live up to the labels that people would put on me. Mm. And that's exhausting. It is. <laughs> it, 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 it's 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 a frightening experience. I'm insecure in different settings. I'll be right. I be in different places and wondering how people are going to label me. Um, and then, you know, I don't want to disappoint anybody. So right. I used to like whenever I was in a social setting, I would I would always have carrots and a drink. <laughs> so if anybody would ask me a question or something, either my mouth is full of food or I'm busy. Oh, excuse me. I got to wash this down right. so that I couldn't really have a conversation because I didn't want to let people down, I guess. Hmm. I don't even know. I'm still, that, I guess that's still part of my discovery. Right. Um, and then in 1992, um, while I'm in New York, still, I mean, I still didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. I had right. a great job that paid me really well. Um, I graduated, um, I'd been traveling the world. I would go to like France for a week on a whim, um, because that actually was the one place in the world. I felt that I could be whatever I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, and I spoke French in such a way that they couldn't tell where I was from. So I wasn't even American when I was in, in, in France. Wow. So that was always like an escape for me. That was always a place where I felt safe. Right. Um, I didn't feel judged. And if it was, it was like for a good reason. Like I understand why Josephine Baker made that place her home. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of the reasons why I went because so many blacks during civil rights went, went to Paris, went to France. And right. because I could speak French, I could blend. Right. Um, so Anyway, ultimately, I, I have to come back to the U.S. because I am an American. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> so at what point do you feel like you decided to start figuring out what you wanted to label yourself instead of trying to live up to the labels that people had created for you? That's a really good question. Um, to be honest, I think I was kind of forced into that spiritually. Hmm. Um, because even after I, like in 1992, I got met um, and I remember going through one particular study that really challenged everything that I was like, I had to be honest with God. Right. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, cause I don't know what label God puts on me, but I know that I can't try to fake it. Right. Like, that was the one place where I like had to be genuine. And um, I studied the Bible with, I mean, people who aren't even in my life now. Wow. Um, but here I am opening up in front of these strangers. I wasn't really opening up to them. Right. That makes sense. I was opening up to God mm -hmm. and those people were present. Right. right? Um, so I still felt even in church that people were putting labels on me before I knew what the church labels were. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, how do I find myself 
in the setting again. Right. Um, so, so I say I was forced to because I was still very deceitful. Mm. Um, I was still very insecure. I was still all of those things, even though I felt like church was my Paris. Right. Church was a refuge. It was a place where I could go, where I could be accepted. Mm. Um, but, you know, again, in hindsight, I think I still, I remember saying one time that if I met me on the street, I wouldn't like me. Mm. So I was still trying not to be whatever it was I thought I was. Right. And I was still trying to live up to these labels, like seven months into my relationship, seven months, seven years into my relationship with God is, but yeah, exactly. Right. And then uh, my whole world came crashing down because even during that time, I lost my identity. I wasn't Octavia anymore. Mm. I was Gar's girlfriend. And um, then, I mean, our engagement was so short. I was never Gar's fiance. I went from being a girlfriend <laughs> to Gar's wife. And then shortly after that, I was Jeremy's mother. So it's like, wow, you know, almost as soon as I was able to have an identity, that right. too got taken away. That opportunity, that was a very small window that I missed. So now, um, because my husband is a natural leader, I sort of got swept up into things. And I felt... Mm-hmm. For a long time, the only reason why I was doing things was because I was married to him. Right. And not because on my own that I had value. Right. Um, so um, things sort of abruptly came to a halt <laughs> seven years into my walk with God. And God was like, okay, no, you know what? We ain't taking another step until you figure this out. And that's what I mean by I was forced right. to because I wasn't going to leave God. That like totally was not an option for me. Although everything in me was like, buy a ticket to France. Right. Um, and I just, I couldn't go back to that because then what? It's like a drug, you know, you're, you're high for a week or two and then you come back and everything is the same way it was again. You can't keep right. running. So now I had to figure out who I was. And I felt like for me, it was like, this journey was like, you know, that room that's upstairs, that room when people come over to the house and you're scrambling to like straighten up the house, you shove everything in that room (laughs) and then you go back and entertain, but you don't go back to the room to put stuff where it belongs. Right. So I felt like my whole life, that's what I had been doing with myself, Hmm. like shoving myself in that room off to the side and then presenting this, you know, cleaned up version of who I was, but never dealing with that stuff that was in that room or in that closet. Right. For me, it was a room, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I felt like God was like, okay, now it's time to go upstairs and deal with all the stuff that's in that room. Right. And um, I love imagery. And the image that I had was I was scared to death to like even look in the direction of the room. Mm. Um, Here I had to climb a staircase to get and go around the Like I picture this room that's in the house that I grew up in. And I had to trust God. I didn't have a choice. So I basically held my held God's hand at the bottom of the staircase and like, like a little kid, like the six-year-old me looking up at him and saying, okay, I know I'm not ready now, 
But as long as I hold on to your hand and we go up the staircase and around the, you know, the hall, by the time I get to the room, I trust that I'll be able to deal with whatever's inside, whatever's behind mm -hmm. that door. Yeah. And um, I was relating to somebody yesterday, actually. And the truth is, I don't even remember how long that journey took. Hmm. I don't know. If, I know it wasn't a couple of months because it wasn't. That <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I dare to say that it was a year or two. Like yeah. it was crazy. Um, but then I got to the top of the stairs. I dealt with what my biggest fears were. And I came out of that. Like, I know who I am. I'm okay with who I am because it's who God designed me to be. And well, he knew what yeah. he was doing. And you know how they say, God, don't make no mistakes. Um, <laughs> I, I embrace that. Right. You know, I know who I am. Like me or don't, at least I'm authentically who I am. I right. know that the person that you're accepting is me. And I know that the person you're rejecting is me. Hmm. Not the resume me. Not the one that I put in front of you. Right. Um, that distances you. So if you reject that thing that I put in front of you, you're not really rejecting me. You're rejecting the thing that I presented to you. Right. And if you accept it, that's like a double-edged sword because now I have to be that thing the whole right. time, which isn't all of who I am. So yeah, that's, that's the pivotal moment in my life that I felt like finally I'm figuring out who I am and discovering who I am. And it opened up doors that, wow, like God was waiting for me to get there so yeah. that I could run in through these doors that he's, and these opportunities that he's given me. That's awesome. I love that. I love hearing your story. And I'm always <laughs> inspired just to hear about how you have kind of gone through these little steps. And I love the way, whenever you tell a story, you always paint a picture. And I love that. Like, I feel like <laughs> I can follow along in my mind's eye and just kind of go with you through each step. So like when you're talking about like holding God's hand at the end of the stairs, like I'm literally picturing you like holding someone's hand, like walking yeah. up these like stairs. And for some reason in my head, the hallway was dark and there's like this glowing light behind the room door. <laughs> 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 it's like all right we're going to this place we don't know what's gonna be so it's just so cool I love hearing your stories and I love hearing what you have to share so with that what do you think that you've learned about just what are parts of you that you feel like you've embraced like what parts of you have you feel like you've allowed to just kind of be um it's funny <laughs> okay what parts of me um uh uh, you know, it's funny. I guess I'll start with the most recent thing, which is my hair. It sounds mm. crazy, but I've had my, my, when I was eight years old for my eighth birthday, I got my hair relaxed. Right. And I had so much hair. They had to, they had to do my hair in batches because it wouldn't fit in the sink. <laughs> and, um, cause I remember like three, four hours just howling, you know, in between my mom's legs while she's like pulling right. like, the comb through my hair and man, I can't tell you how that felt when I got that chemical relaxer in my hair. Oh my gosh. I was like all of my little friends, you know, we had hair and it blew in the wind and all that kind of stuff, right? And it was really versatile. So I held on to that. And right. then COVID, COVID changed that because the salon shut down. Mm. And now what I'm gonna do, right? Um so my natural hair is like 
wow. And, and I learned the history like from our ancestors, from the continent and just the role that hair played just even in their, um, their social statuses. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of people talking about black hair. Like it's a curse. Like it's a Mm. bad thing. Yeah. And so, um, after 47 years of being relaxed, I have natural hair and you know, people have said stuff, right? They've been like, it's wild or, you know, family members have talked about it. I'm like, you know what? That's unfortunate that you have that colonized sort of view of what my hair is. Mm. I think my hair is beautiful. I love it. I'm going to embrace it. I even stopped coloring it um, against my will. Um, <laughs> but now I'm embracing the gray too. Like the Bible talks about how gray is a crown, like yes. over and over again in Proverbs. And I'm like, it don't feel like no crown, <laughs> but I'm going to wear it like it's one, right? Yes. So I think just it's, there's so many things about me that I thought I didn't like hmm. that now I'm embracing. So the list is long. Right. Um, and you know, there's still some things that I'm working on. Um, there's some things that I have to go back to maybe and sort of reevaluate those things. Um, but for right now, at this point in my journey, it's like, you know what? I like me and I'm okay with, I'm okay with that flaws and all, Yeah. which which is a big deal because I'm not trying to be, I mean, you know, granted, I'm not going crazy, but, um, you know, trying to accept different things about me, you know, my skin color, my hair texture, my height, um, (laughs) um, my job, which I actually love. Um, but I, I don't defend certain things that I used to before. If that, if that makes sense, I don't know. Yeah, that does. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's awesome. I love all of that. I think that I've watched your, your journey with embracing yourself, especially over the last, how long have I known you now? Eight years? (laughs) (laughs) Has it only been eight? I know, right? I feel like I've known you my whole life. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like I've watched your journey to just like picking up little pieces of who you are and accepting them and saying like, oh, like I like this part of me. And yeah, maybe this part of me could be better, but it's who I am. And I just love watching you embrace all of those things and falling in love with yourself all over again. It's been inspiring for me and encouraging for me to just see, I don't know, you're someone I look up to. So to see you just constantly accepting that things change and like embracing these new parts of you and figuring out new things about yourself. I don't know. It just inspires me that who I am now doesn't have to be who I am later. And I love that concept because I think I often think in absolutes. It's like, Mm -hmm. if this is this, then that means all of these things. It's like, I put all of this pressure on one, (laughs) one adjective or one definition of something. And I'm like, that's what it is. That's who I'm going to be. And so when I watch you kind of evolving and just choosing which parts of you you're like eh, maybe I'll change that or maybe I'll keep this like I love it I love just watching you and your element I feel like you exude confidence it's so funny whenever I hear you talk about being insecure because oh my gosh I don't see it <laughs> that's that's the Jesus that's being clothed in Jesus right, right? <laughs> that's, what you're, that's what you're witnessing <laughs> I love you. Did you read all those text messages? I said? <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, I feel like it's you. It's like, I never feel, maybe it's just how we interact with each other, but I feel like yeah. there's never a facade 
when I'm talking to you. Like, I feel like you're who you are. If you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. If you're having a great day, you're having a great day, you know? And I, I love genuine people and I love being around people who aren't afraid to just be authentically themselves. So oh, that's one of the reasons I love being around you. Yeah, I think that's why it's only been eight years. Because if you'd known me before, you'd have been like, what's good with that? <laughs> who are we going to be today? <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so what piece of advice would you give someone who is kind of in the same space as you and maybe was where you were before, where they're trying to figure out who they are and embracing those parts of them? I really start, I honestly, I don't know if it's cliche or whatever, but it really starts with a relationship with God. Because um, I think the thing that I needed was safety. Mm-hmm. I needed to feel safe. Yeah. With being able to explore who I was because I was so sort of paralyzed by making a mistake or messing up or being bad, you know, or doing something bad that, that, that kept me from like what you were saying, being authentic, being genuine. Um, I needed to be in a space where that didn't matter that I felt loved no matter what. And I think knowing that God knew who I was even before I did like the scripture in Psalm 139 that talks about um how um before a word is before I say a word before a word is on my tongue you know the Lord knows what it is I'm going to say right I I guess you could probably quote that better for me that was the most important environment like I had to have an environment that was safe for me to discover me Um, and I did not, even, even in the church, even in the body, I didn't feel that way. Mm. And so when people say, oh, you're so confident, I'm like, no, I'm not neither. That's Jesus. What would you say that God has shown you about yourself through this journey? That I'm, that I, I guess I would say that I'm unique and that's okay. Mm. Like, I need to be the best me because there isn't another me out there. Right. So if I'm not me, nobody else is going to be me. (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) So, I mean, I have to acknowledge that there's something that I'm actually bringing to any environment that I'm in, whether it's the classroom, whether it's church, whether it's a conversation um, that I have to bring all of me into that space. that that's that's what I think because the only honestly the only thing I can work on is me right as much as I would love to change other people um, as much as I would love for everything to go the way I want it to go I have no control over those things mm-hmm. and um trying to control them is just you know futile resistance is futile right um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think the only element of any situation or environment or circumstance that I'm in that I can control is me and even that is like questionable but um, (laughs) that's what I that's what I think God has taught me like how else is God going to use me right and um you know appreciating that there's some settings that I'm in that only I can be in right nobody else can be in that setting other than me like um, Paul was talking about how he, you know, he had emperors, like he was, 
he was part of that group. The other disciples couldn't go with him in those places. Right. Now, granted, right. he was usually enchained and in prison in those places. <laughs> <laughs> Not like he was sitting down next to Caesar, like, yo, what's up? <laughs> um, but um, there are places where I find myself where I know that are unique to me. And I right. need, in order for me to like capitalize on that moment, um, I can't be insecure. I can't be thinking about myself. Like, that's that's what I think God has really taught me and shown me that it's right. okay to be me in that situation because that's who he needs in that situation. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I feel like that's something that I'm also discovering about myself mm-hmm. as I've been going through my own stuff is I realize that like I I don't think I necessarily try to be other people, but I'm constantly trying to change who I am to right. like parts of me I'm trying to change in order to be quote unquote better. And mm. that I'm always constantly trying to like make myself a better version of me in order to be utilized by God when I right. am now realizing that God is putting me in the situations I am because he realizes that he can use me. And not just because I'm doing well, but he uses my failures as well because yeah. it gives people an opportunity to see the other side of my Christianity. Cause I think people often get the polished, you know, I'm a good Christian. And these are all the things that you have to do the right way type of personality, but they don't often get the, Hey, I messed up and I'm coming back to apologize to you or, Hey, what I did wasn't right. And so I need to tell you that what I did wasn't right. Those parts are hard. Yes. It is because I don't want to go back, especially if I felt like I was righteous in my decision and I, what I said was what I felt and that's it. It's like, no, but it doesn't represent God very well, does it? Yeah. Like having that humility, like people are able to see that as well. And honestly, I feel like that's more appealing because when people see the perfected putting on front type of Christian, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're Miss Perfect. Sure you are. And yeah. then when you mess up, it's like, oh, I thought you were Miss Perfect. Right. But if you come to them and say, hey, look, here's where I mess up all the time. <laughs> what are I going to do? Yeah. yeah. If anything, it highlights the fact that I need Jesus. Because right. can you imagine if I didn't have him? Exactly. What's going to happen? <laughs> this would be me and on the regular that whole, <laughs> Right? That whole going back and apologizing, for me, sometimes that's a deterrent. Because right. if I know that this decision I make right now can either, you know, it'll probably be bad, but if it's righteous, then at least I don't have to come back and apologize. <laughs> like given those two options, the first one is usually better. Right. Um, yeah. And there was something else that you said I was thinking, oh yeah. Like even in the classroom, when I'm in front of the kids, I mess up all the time. And I see like, cause I teach math. Um, the kids are particularly afraid to mess up. Like when they're writing, they don't care about grammar. They don't care about spelling. They're right. just going to LOL through their, you know, topical paper. But <laughs> with math, you know, they have been sort of conditioned that it's it's bad to make a mistake. Right. So what they will do is they won't do anything because they're afraid they're going to make a mistake. And I know just from teaching that you can't correct something you don't know exists. Right. Right. Like I need to know that this is the mistake you made and this is how you make the mistake so that we can correct it. 
like right. to, just to train people. Cause in general, nobody wants to mess up. You don't want to look bad in front of people. I'm like, you, I tell the kids all that. I'm like, you guys see me mess up all the time. Like you see me <laughs> making mathematical errors. Does that mean I shouldn't be a math teacher anymore? No. Right. I, um, so I think just even society making a mistake is, you know, you see it as being unforgivable or right. like a horrible thing. And yeah, you know what? In the moment, sometimes it does feel that way. I right. was thinking about um, Vanessa Williams, um, the the singer. She was the first Black Miss America and was... Right like her crown was taken from her right? and she was humiliated in front of the world, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but a lot of people who know who Vanessa Williams is now don't know that about her. Right. They don't know about those horrible pictures that they used to put on the news that was like broadcast. Like this is before the internet. Wow. And so I'm, I'm just like, I look at her and how she's risen from the Phoenix. And it's like, I think I had heard someone say that you're not your mistakes right mm -hmm. you but you but you can learn from them like I wish I got a, you know I'm gonna write down that quote um because I really felt like even looking at people in the bible they right. yucked it up like some of them had lifestyles that were not okay right, right. The some of them you know messed up Abraham lied and said that Sarah was his sister like right like everybody's got a little bit of dirt in their family tree <laughs> <It's so true. laughs> um, but but that's we don't remember abraham for that we remember right. abraham as being the father of you know our faith we don't remember moses the murderer remember moses parting the red sea right like, there's things that we don't necessarily ascribe like david was a murderer but we know a murderer, a liar, and a cheater, adulterer, right. right? But he was a man after God's own heart. Mm. So it's like accepting the flaws with like because everybody was flawed. Like right. God wanted God was gonna kill Moses, right? God right. was going to kill Moses in um in Exodus. Um before he even got a chance to talk, before God had even picked Aaron to be his like little buddy going up before <laughs> Pharaoh. So it's like, what? God was like gonna kill him. But yeah. you know, my girl, his wife, what was his wife's name? Um, Zenobia? No, not Zenobia. Um, Zephora. Zephora came to his rescue. Yeah. Like, um, I'm amazed. And so that inspires me. And you know, just even what you were saying before, if I could say that having a relationship with you inspires me to be the better me. Like mm -hmm. I, I sort of carry you around in like, you know, the little angel on your shoulder, <laughs> you just say the angel on your shoulder. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, sometimes I think not what would Jesus do, but would Nori, if I share this story with Nori, is it something that she would be proud of, right? Mm. Is it something that would inspire her? Is it something that, because man, I hate the face you make when you're disappointed. Oh, I hate that face. <laughs> that is such a deterrent. <laughs> my face has a mind of its own. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I would never want to do anything. Like I think God gives us humans, you know, yeah, yeah, what would Jesus do? And yes, the spirit and all of those like spiritual religious things. But at the same time, I think God puts people in our lives also to right. help us be better. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a, what, two generations in between us, um, <laughs> or maybe one, I don't know, you could be my kid, but, um, and I would really love that too. That would be so cool. <laughs> um, you know, you're one of my but, mamas. But I think God puts people, I think that's important for people to be in our lives because it yeah. does help us to be a better, like God will use anything in anyone to help us be better for him. Right. And so that's, you know, that's really one thing I cherish and love about our relationship is it inspires me to be my best, to be better than what I normally would in, you know, the resurrected me situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the best. I love talking with you. Is there anything else that you would like to share with anybody that might be listening? I know at first we had talked about a word <laughs> to describe <laughs> your experience. If you don't have one, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I really don't. Um, I mean, I think there are a bunch of words and I love words. I mean, I love to journal, but um, it's hard really for me. Like, again, like we talked about labels in the beginning. It's still hard for me. Yeah. Like to, to label things. Um you know, I think my word going into this next year is um, intentional. Mm. Like I need to be intentional about sort of every aspect and everything that I do, not just spiritually. Like, of course, that's going to be the main reason why, but um, being intentional in everything that I do, being intentional in my marriage, being intentional in my career, Hmm. Being intentional in my relationships, um, whether it's with family or with friends, um, with brothers and sisters, just being intentional in everything that I do, because there's something when you are deliberately doing something or intentionally doing something that's different than if you're just kind of winging it or just right. sort of doing it. And um, so that's that's the word that just keeps coming up over and over again. So right now at this place in my relationship with God, I'm looking at being intentional. So that's, that would be one word that I'm sort of describing for in the moment. Cause like, you know, you said who I am today will change. Right. Right. <laughs> for the better. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. You always change for the better. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, I loved having you on and I really am encouraged by everything that you had to share. I'm inspired and I think that everyone who listens is going to relate to you in so many ways. Um, and I know that that's just one of the many things about you, this one little part of you. Um, and I look forward to having you on here again some other time. And thank you so much for being a part of the show. I love you, Nori. I love you too. <laughs> if you would like to keep up with Octavia on social media, you can follow her on Instagram on her journaling page at underscore in underscore his underscore word or on her natural hair journey page at Angela naturally that's a n g e l a n a t u r a l l y You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. 
You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem in me behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Discovering Me. I hope that you are inspired and spurred on toward a deeper connection with God. If you're looking for a church in the Southern Connecticut area, search Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. And don't forget, tune in next Monday for a new episode. And always remember to faithfully pursue a life of passion.